podcast you're about to hear is a Yankee and basketball podcast, solo dolo edition of the pod. So sit back and enjoy this one. You're listening to the Grind Hours Podcast. At the wall! See ya! See ya! Hello and welcome to the Grind Hours Podcast for Wednesday, June 21st, 2023, the summer solstice, the longest day of the year in 2023, recording this just about 1.30 Eastern Time, and I have to start with my beloved Yankees and start with a win that is more of an exhale, more of an expectation at this point when... The ace of the staff, number 45, the $330 million or whatever he's getting paid, million-dollar man, Garrett Cole, is on the mound. He did what he's supposed to do, an ace-like performance from the ace, a stopper performance from the guy that you need to be a stopper at this point because this team offensively is... Perhaps one of the worst Yankee offenses I've ever seen in my life, and that's not hyperbole. That's not me being dramatic. This team has the lowest batting average in Major League Baseball since Judge went down. It's like 205 or 206 since Judge went down in the beginning of June. They have the third worst on-base percentage, period, in baseball since the start of the season. This isn't just a small sample size since Judge went down in the beginning of June. It's the entire season. Only Oakland and Kansas City have worst on base percentages in baseball. And flat out, the offense is just not producing. The pitching staff can be one of the best in baseball, but if this offense is not getting on base and not driving in runs, holding teams to three, four runs a game is just simply not good enough. And that is is not good enough. And part of me does want to come on here and just completely rip Brian Cashman for his comments that he made yesterday before the game and backing this offense and saying that they're not going to make a trade, that he believes in this offense, that it will turn itself around, and he believes in some guys. And again, part of me just wants to come on here for the entire podcast and just completely rip apart Brian Cashman for for saying that because I know you have to say it because you, even if you are working behind the scenes to try to get a deal done, you don't want to reveal that you're, you know, shopping the market and potentially lowering your value. But at the same time, you kind of owe it to the fans to say, Hey, you know, we're working on some stuff we got to see how some guys perform, but it does look like a, a trade needs to happen because at some point, the message has to get across this team. Boone can back them, Cashman can back them, but somebody needs to kick this team in the rear end and say, hey, it's put up or shut up time. You need to produce or we're not. Th- when Judge gets back, there's not going to be a postseason to play for. That's how bad this team has been since Judge went down. And I didn't want to raise five alarm fires originally and panic. But given how this team has played, 
losing a game in City Field, which they shouldn't have lost, losing three straight to Boston, which, excluding one game, the 15-5 slaughtering that was Thursday night, it's inexcusable. Or Friday night, excuse me, Friday night. It's inexcusable. It is absolutely inexcusable for this team spending this much money to rely on just one guy. And yes, that does mean Giancarlo Stanton has to step up, and he has been dreadful since returning from the IL. It does mean Donaldson has to show signs of life, and he hasn't done that, excluding the series in L.A., which he showed for two at-bats, hitting home runs, coming off of the I.L. It means Anthony Rizzo, and he has shown signs of life, but he was batting like 0-69 in his last 13 games. He had three hits in his last 13 games. He had three hits last night, two doubles and an RBI. So Rizzo, hopefully, knock on wood, is coming out of the slump. But getting back to Donaldson, my dad has been saying this for weeks, and he's probably right, even though... He wants to Monday morning quarterback Aaron Hicks. He killed Aaron Hicks. And if you go back on this tape, yes, I'm talking to an audience of one. I'm talking to you, Dad. Hi. Listen to me. Go back and listen to the episodes of this podcast. I was the only one on the Aaron Hicks bandwagon still. And go back and check the receipts on Twitter. Three days before he was DFA'd, when he had that good game, I believe it was in Toronto, I said... The Aaron Hicks revenge season starts right now. And it did, but it's starting in Baltimore, not with the Yankees. But getting back to that point, my dad just keeps repeatedly, day after day after day, say Donaldson should have been DFA'd, not Hicks. And he's right. Donaldson, I get it. Gold glove defense, he should have won it. The Yankees are pissed that he, he wasn't even nominated for how well he played defense last year. He was one of the reasons why... They won the Platinum Glove as a team last year. But if all you're doing is run prevention defensively, and that doesn't make up for how just automatic of an out he is and a rally killer as he is. I mean, strikes out with Rizzo on second base in the first inning. Flies out with Rizzo on second base in the third inning. And with Rizzo on first, with nobody out, grounds into a rally-killing 6-4-3 double play. Those were Donaldson's three at-bats last night. I know I'm just taking one you know, one game as a small sample size to, to emphasize my point, but look at the Boston series. Gets picked off at first base, and Boone said, you know, oh, don't get on Donaldson. There's other stuff happening in the game more than just a base stealing. Fine. All well and good. And, you know, Donaldson, you want to get him a good secondary lead so he can potentially take third base on a single. I get it. But he doesn't need to be that guy. Okay? he Donaldson needs to be a run producer. A guy, treat him as, you know, somebody who can't run. Treat him as Giancarlo who can't run. Treat him as Gary Sanchez, who couldn't run for this team. I don't need Donaldson taking extra bases. If Donaldson wants to run hard in the second base and try to break up a double play because he's an aggregator, fine, do that. But I don't need him 
potentially ending a rally or a potential rally because he got picked off a of first base. Okay, I don't need that from him. I need him to be. I'm not even saying MVP, Josh Donaldson, because that is a far cry from where he is as a ball player right now. But can he be half of what he was in Atlanta? Half of what he was the first year that he was in Minnesota? Can he be that guy? Can I see 15 to 20 homers from Josh Donaldson? Can I see 70 to 85, 90 RBIs from Josh Donaldson? I'm not asking him to be MVP, to be one of the best hitters in the league. But I need him to be a productive five, six hole hitter. If you're going to continuously put him in the five hole, he needs to, when people are on base, drive in runs. And he hasn't seemed to figure out Yankee Stadium. Say what you want about Stanton. Say what you want about Glaber Torres. Say what you want about fill-in player here that you don't like on this team right now. It seems like everybody else in the order knows what to do. Excuse me, little uh, <laughs> little editing there. But knows what to do with the ballpark. Knows where to go. Donaldson doesn't really seem like he knows how to hit in Yankee Stadium. And when it looked like he did, he was pimping flyouts. And he was getting picked off of first base in the playoffs. So he needs to change his approach to not be in Toronto anymore. To not be in the hitter's paradise that Truist Park was. To not be in Minnesota where if you catch it in the jet stream in left center and, and left field, the ball's going to go out. He needs to adjust, and it doesn't seem like he's making the proper adjustments in the ballpark to be a productive hitter. And that's a problem. And he's becoming more and more of a problem. And I get it. DJ LeMay, who has not been the same player, and he might still be hurt. He might he, he might just have lost half a step because of how aging and father time, and he might be aging out faster than some other players. I'm not saying DJ's washed. I'm not, I'm not going there. He has won two batting titles. He's too good on defense. He means too much to this team for, for me to say that DJ LeMahieu is washed. So DJ isn't really knocking down the door to play every day at third base, but they need something else. And maybe that's calling up Peraza, play Peraza at third base. Maybe that's going out and trading for a stopgap third baseman. Not really, you know. That's the problem. There, there really isn't a stopgap third baseman, not that I can think of off the top of my head, that would make a difference for this team. And that's an issue. Because Donaldson is a black hole offensively. Really, the Yankees are playing eight on nine when they come to the plate. Because Donaldson's not giving you anything at the plate and there's really nobody in the system or on the bench that is making the decision easier for Aaron Boone because Boone yes believes in Donaldson he said in spring training he thought that Donaldson would have a bounce back year and maybe he needs to walk that back but Donaldson needs to produce because it's it's his job right now. And if DJ gets healthier, fixes his swing, 
touches on the little thing that Boone said he needs us to touch on because he's not going to play. He didn't play yesterday. He's not going to play today. So maybe if DJ fixes that and gets back to close to what 2019-2020 DJ was, maybe that will force Boone's hand a little bit to get Donaldson out of the lineup, to pick and choose the spots where Donaldson actually plays because right now he doesn't deserve a roster spot. He deserves to be DFA'd. He is not playing like a major leaguer. And again, the problem is, and the reason why they probably won't make that move, is because there's nobody that they see that is good enough to take that spot. Peraza, I don't believe, is getting any time at third base in the minor leagues. Maybe you change that. Maybe if you put him at third base and he's still producing the way he's producing in the minors, you can DFA Donaldson, call up Peraza, and Peraza is your everyday third baseman for the foreseeable future. And you have that until the trade deadline where you can make a decision on Glaber Torres. But right now, there is no fix coming. So Yankee fans, I get it. I'm one of you. I agree that Donaldson should not be on this team right now. That he's an albatross, both with the contract and on the field. So bear with it. Bite the bullet is all I can say is, you know, just close your eyes, mute the TV when he's up at bat. I don't know. But one, one small sign of hope for me, and it's a guy that I've continuously hound on since the start of the second half last year, is Clay Holmes. I have not trusted Clay Holmes since he started to scuffle post-All-Star break. And one thing that it is a little bit of optimism is he got a five-out save yesterday. He shut the door when he needed to shut the door. And now this season, he's six for six in multiple inning appearances. And I believe has only given up like one or two runs in those appearances. So that's positive. That means when you need to go to Holmes for a multi-out save, you can, and he is used to it. I would continuously do it more. I would try to get that number up to the 10 to 15 range for Holmes. So it's, again, he's used to it. It's not something that if you need it to go down the postseason, because I still believe this team will do the right things, regardless of what Cashman said yesterday. We'll do the right things. We'll make the right moves. We'll upgrade this team at the trade deadline, and we'll make the playoffs. So get Holmes used to that. Put him in that position more and more. So again, it's not something that Yankee fans, when he's coming out in the eighth inning in the postseason, that we're all clutching our pearls and saying, oh, I hope this works. Well, I can't wait to get on Twitter to bash Boone if this doesn't work. That sort of thing. So, good win. It's a sigh of relief. It ends the four-game losing streak. It reiterates that Cole is worth the money. He is the ace of this staff. He's the stopper. And he's a guarantee every fifth day. But the Yankees need to continuously make a statement. Johnny Brito is coming back up. He was just recalled today. A couple of hours ago, actually, that news was made official. He will start for the Yankees today against Luis Castillo. Make a statement. Make a statement against a guy who has, the past two years, come into Yankee Stadium and just shut you out. Has made 
Yankee Stadium, his home ballpark, the last two times he was here, and made a statement that you should have come and get me. I can I can pitch here and make a statement that he needs to re reevaluate that. Be I hope the Yankees are savages in the box tonight. I hope they are an angry lineup and really attack Castillo and make a statement. Win two in a row. Win a series against a team that is going in the opposite direction, just like the Yankees are. And for Brito, I hope he has a really good start because his last start against the Cincinnati team, and this was not the Cincinnati team that has won 10 straight and is now in first place in the NL Central. This was against the, the Reds when they were one of the worst teams in baseball. Brito went four innings, gave up four hits, four earned, four walks, and six strikeouts. So hopefully Brito has a bounce-back outing against a lineup that Really, there's one or two guys that scare you, and that's Eugenio Suarez and Jose or um, Julio Rodriguez, not Jose Rodriguez, Julio Rodriguez. So, pose from those two, go attack this lineup, and hopefully they can get two wins in a row. After the break, we will switch gears and we will talk about the first blockbuster trade of the 2023 offseason. Back after this. Feed Hudson Valley is a regional food rescue and harvesting network in the Hudson Valley operating through Dutchess, Orange, Ulster, Columbia, Green, Putnam, and Sullivan counties. It links donors of prepared but unserved food and fresh produce with nonprofits and food assistant programs. Through an app-assisted network of food donors, volunteers, and feeding agencies, Feed Hudson Valley facilitates the harvesting, processing, and distribution of locally grown or produced agricultural products, self-stable food donations, and prepared nutritious foods. The app used is called Chowmatch, and it is easy for volunteers to download and use. Among the donors are restaurants, farms, food makers, stores, hospitals, and universities. The food assistant programs include food pantries, soup kitchens, and shelters. Volunteers are matched through the Chowmatch app when a donation is available. They can indicate that they are available to make a run and then pick it up for a donor and deliver it to the agency. The Feed Hudson Valley Network currently includes over 300 volunteers, 130 donors, and 95 receiving agencies. Last year on average, Feed Hudson Valley rescued and redirected over 12,000 pounds of food each month. Feed Hudson Valley could use more donors and volunteers. To learn more and sign up, visit feedhv.org. Again, that's feedhv.org. One more time, spelled out, F-E-E-D-H-V.org. Now back to the podcast. I'm back here, and it's official. Bradley Beal is a son. He is now teamed up with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, who may or may not be on his way out of Phoenix. But this is the big three. And I have a couple of questions because I don't think this is going to work for multitude of reasons. The first of which Booker and Durant must stay healthy. And when healthy, they are not going to be able to come out of games. Booker and Durant are going to have to be 1-2 in minutes played this year. And I don't know if you can win 
a postseason and make the run if Booker and Durant are playing that many minutes and are already that worn down. When you have to win a chase of 16, and especially in a conference with LeBron, a conference with Jokic, the reigning finals MVP, the best player on the planet, with a, in a excuse me, in a conference with Steph Curry, in a conference for now with Dame Lillard, because I think they're going to make a move. If they keep Lillard, they're going to make a move to better that team and, and make a run. In a conference with John Morant, who hopefully, like I said in last podcast, does what he has to do in the 25 games and betters himself and puts that team on his back when he does come back and they make a run because they were one of the best teams in basketball at one point last year. In a league with Jason Tatum, with the Miami Heat, who, who will get better if Philly could figure it out. I don't know if this trio is good enough in a league with this much talent. Again, Booker and Durant, if they get hurt, this team is done because they don't have a bench. They traded their depth to get Durant. And I know they waived Chris Paul and wanted nothing to do with him. And Landry Shamit is, you know, the definition of a rotational bench piece for a contender who, trust me, I watched a lot of Landry Shamit games. You don't want the ball in that guy's hands. So it's addition by subtraction there. And, you know, they it's a salary dump basically for Washington. But for Beal, what are you getting out of Beal? Because Beal hasn't played more than 65 games since the 19, the 1819 season. And 17, 18 and 18, 19, he played 82 games since then. The most he's played is 60. And if you want Beal to be a difference maker and qualify, because I think he has to be in order for this team to go anywhere. He needs to be one of the best players in the NBA and contribute and score and play timely defense when he needs to, and really be the, 2A to Booker and Durant, or 1C if you want to, you know, look at it that way. But Beal has to be that guy. And I, I we haven't seen that Bradley Beal since what? 1920? The, the 2021 season? When has Beal really been that guy? He, I, I just, it's going to be hard for him to turn that switch back on and to really be a difference maker, and he hasn't been in a situation where he has to defer. And Booker hasn't really been in a situation where he's had to defer and give up uh, some of his touches. Durant, when he was in a situation with Harden and Kyrie, he averaged 26-7-5, his worst scoring output in Brooklyn in his time there. So three high-usage, ball-dominant players I saw it in Brooklyn. You've seen it time and time and time again. Situations like this do not work. When you have three guys that need the ball, it does not work. It hasn't worked. It will not work. And in Phoenix, 
I don't think this is going to go as planned. You've seen a n- number of talking heads, and the you know first one to get on that bandwagon was Kendrick Perkins, and I I like Perk, but he's dead wrong with this. It's not going to work. He said that the Suns should be the, the prohibitive favorite in the West. I disagree. I love Phoenix or uh, Denver, excuse me, over Phoenix. I would prefer the Lakers as currently constructed if they just ran it back, brought back Reeves and just ran it back over Phoenix. I like Memphis if they can figure it out over them. I like Golden State. I like Sacramento. They, they might be an eight seed, this Phoenix. I, it's simply because they have no bench. And if one of these guys is off, sorry. If one of these guys isn't playing, sorry. Who are you going to play? They're going to have to, with the new CBA, get veteran minimum guys and hope for the best because they have no bench. And you can't play your starters 48 minutes, 82 times a year. You can't do it. And I don't know how they're going to stagger these minutes. I don't know how they're going to stagger you know, who play the rotations and who gets the ball and who gets the ball in late game situations. Is it Booker or is it Durant? It's definitely not going to be B with those two on the floor. And when they get to the playoffs, I, I think they're, going to, they're good enough to be a playoff team with these three. But when they get to the playoffs, Beal hasn't been the playoffs in two years. He hasn't been to the second round of the playoffs since 2017. So is he a, is he really a playoff guy? Ask yourself, in the two teams that played in the finals, would he be a late-time, crunch-time guy? Is he better than, and I'm not saying this isn't, you know, recency bias. Is he better than Caleb Martin? Would he play over Caleb Martin with the, the Heat? I think that's a real reason why the Heat didn't go out and get him. Because really, I know it was either Phoenix, it was Phoenix or Miami. Those are the two teams. They looked at Beal. He's going to be 30 this year. He hasn't played, again, over 65 games, which is what you have to qualify for major awards since 2018-19. Before the pandemic, he hasn't played 65-plus games. He hasn't played 61 games since that point. So this is going to be an experiment with a new head coach that I really don't think is going to work. I really think this is going to blow up in the face of Phoenix and who's whether it's Isaiah Thomas or the new owner there in Matt Ishbia Whoever signed off on this deal, I really don't think this is going to work, and it's going to define the Phoenix Sun, and it's it's going to define Booker and Durant for the foreseeable future. And I'm not just being a hater here. I'm not just being a hater because Durant left my team and he chose Phoenix and and supposed greener pastures over Brooklyn. This is from a pure basketball situation. Tell me, when has it worked? Seriously, when has three ball-dominant players worked? Because it, it's not going to work. It can't work. And from a roster construction standpoint, you know, Beal is very huntable on defense postseason-wise. He, Booker, 
you need him to be Booker. If it's just Durant and Beal, I don't know if, if Booker's off. If Beal's off, fine. I, I I trust Booker and Durant to be those two guys and the 1A and 1B to each other, and those two can win you a playoff series. I, I believe in that. But if Beal is a sunk cost, and he costs a lot of money with the new apron and, and, and stuff like that, this is going to really really test the fringes of this roster to produce. And you're going to need one of those guys off the bench every single night to step up and make an impact. And you're going to need the fringe guys to be trusted by Durant, Booker, and Beal. And if they're not trusted, then what are you doing? And Booker and Durant could... uh, Booker, not so much, but Durant could come out and, you know, do another article with The Athletic or whoever and say, look who I'm playing with again, because he did that this year in Brooklyn. Well, if you do it again this year in Phoenix, sorry, dude, but you most likely signed off on this trade, which is another thing where just add that to the Durant legacy. Add that to the reason why you don't think he is one of the true best players in the league, because if he signed off on this and this blows up in his face, well... At some point, the chicken has to, you know, the hens come home to roost, or whatever the saying is. So, I'm not a believer in this. I will be fading the Suns every chance I get. I don't know what their win total is going to be, but I'm probably going to take the under on that. This will not work. And if it does work, cold takes exposed. Go right ahead. But I, I am steadfast in this, and I'm not going to waver on this one bit at any point in the season and I know it's only June 21st and the offseason hasn't even officially started yet but this is going to be a train wreck of epic proportions I believe when we come back I'm going to tell you why the Bradley Beal sweepstakes was a real mistake for one team back after this SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, music fans, comedy fans, theater fans, fans of tickets. Use my code GRINDHOUR to get into the building to get yourself a seat. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR at checkout for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. One more time, code GRINDHOUR. That's G-R-I-N-D-H-O. You are at checkout. All right, finishing off the podcast here. I think this was a real indictment of the Knicks front office with this Bradley Beal trade, with Leon Rose and Worldwide West. I know, personally, I wouldn't go after Beal. But if you're going to make the declaration when you come to New York that you're going to be looking for stars and getting stars, and you know, with your connections, you're going to bring stars to New York and it's going to be a new age of Knicks basketball, well, they really haven't done that. They, they, they struck out on the Donovan Mitchell trade. They struck out on this Bradley Beal trade. 
I know they went and signed Jalen Brunson, but nobody, nobody saw what Brunson was this season when they signed him. People were saying it was an overpay when they originally got Brunson. So this, to me, and I know I wouldn't go out and do it, so who am I to, you know, sit here and say, oh, well, they struck out on this deal. In principle, they did, because yet again, they didn't do what they set out to do. And they are telling us one thing and building this team another way. If you want to come out and say, hey, it's going to take a few years. We're going to use our draft picks. We're going to stockpile a lot of them. And we're going to use them and build this team up the old-fashioned way. Then, originally, I think they would get killed for it. But given where this team is right now and the path that they are going on, Knicks fans would forgive them and say, oh, how great is this team? Look at how far we went. We were a potential, and I I still don't know if people are saying, oh, well, Hart was open on that last possession in Miami. Brunson had no idea. He could not see Josh Hart wide open for a potential game-winning three. He couldn't see him, all right? So they were... One possession away from forcing a Game 7 in MSG, which most likely they probably would have won. So, you made it to the second round. You understand the deficiencies of this roster. What are you going to do to fix that? Bradley Beal, as much as I don't like him as a player at this point in his career, would have changed a lot of, or sorry, fixed a lot of those deficiencies for the Knicks. And I know he had a no-trade clause, but that goes into the discussion. Has the culture in New York really changed? Do stars really want to come here? As much as Leon Rose and World Wide West can say, oh, we want to bring stars here. Well, they haven't done that. And is that because of the culture that they're, that's in that locker room that needs to be changed? Because stars for years wanted nothing to do with New York. And Jalen Brunson is supposed to change that culture. Well, has that culture truly changed? Julius Randle, has he changed that culture? And speaking of Randle, he's the biggest X factor for next season. It's Julius Randle. And I know he he made third-team All-NBA this past season. I get it. Do it again. And when you do it again, actually show up in the postseason. Because that's when Nick fans are going. that, That is the... Biggest question is, is Randall good enough to play in the postseason? And so far, in two tries, he hasn't been. And I get the first time it was Julius Randall or me as an option in the postseason. That's really what it came down to in that weird COVID year. But last year, it was Jalen Brunson. It was R.J. Barrett for a little bit. Where was Randall? Randall had a half against Cleveland in the first game of the playoffs. That's it. That's really, and I know he had ankle surgery and his ankle was a lot worse than, than he let on and than the Knicks let on. I, I understand that, but great players show up in spite of injuries. They show up and make an impact on their team regardless of what's going on. LeBron in a broken hand. And he's still, <laughs> and I know I'm, uh, you know, for my, again, sake of my argument, I'm using one of the greatest to ever play 
against Julius Randle. But still, if Randle wants to be considered one of the best in the league right now, he needs to show up in the playoffs. I mean, that's the way you get back in the hearts of Knicks fans. You could say whatever you want to say and being as dearing as you want on podcast appearances, but he needs to be the same player he was in the regular season this year, and he needs to be that player in the postseason because if he's not, what does that mean for next summer? When there's guys like Jalen Brown, Clay Thompson, Middleton, up for free agency and most likely going to test the waters because of the cap and teams like the Knicks who don't really have that second star can go out and spend some money and get a guy like Middleton or Jalen Brown or Clay Thompson. And the B tier, everyone's falling in love with Siakam right now. DeMar DeRozan, who has been linked to this team, Buddy Heald, who has been linked to this team, those guys are also free agents. So it's really on this front office to make the changes that they need to go out and get more shooting, go out and get a little bit more defense, and make the necessary adjustments to this roster so that you can get back to the second round. And hopefully, with the help of Julius Randle, get to the conference finals and take that next step and challenge for a world title. Because if not, if you take a step back and this this roster has hit its ceiling with Tom Thibodeau, not only are you looking for a new coach, you're changing things around in a year where you could potentially, if they make improvements, the small incremental improvements, get to the conference finals. Give whoever the team is in the conference finals a fight or make the finals, then you can go for broke the following offseason. Make the, the big splashy trade and really try to put yourself over the hump for a NBA title. So, but again, it falls on the shoulders of three individuals Leon Rose, World Wide West, and Julius Randle. All right, I think that's a good place to end. Huge thanks to Feet Hudson Valley and Sea Geek for sponsoring today's episode. If you're new to this podcast, please like, subscribe, share this podcast, and anybody who you seem fit. If you're new to the show, again, please download the show. It means more to the show than you know. Have some stuff going out in the blog. Nets piece that went out last week. Very, very proud of it. Got some more stuff in the works. The first part of this podcast was going to be an article, but I decided to blow it out to a first segment of this pod. So I got some Yankee stuff that'll probably be coming out later this week. And yeah, of course, this podcast, please like, subscribe, share this podcast again. It means more to the show than you know. I'm, I'm going to share, 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 and download this podcast. Please, please, please. But podcast coming on Friday. I know I'm a day late and I said it would be back to usual, but you know, stuff happened yesterday. Got uh, some errands I had to run and took a little bit longer than I anticipated. So pod today, pod on Friday. See you then. Till then, from the sweet words of Semisonic. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.